0: Welcome to Think Jewish, (laughs) and um, we're going to go through this again. I'd like to uh, dedicate today's class in memory of the mother of one of our dear members. May she live and be well. The mother passed away, and her name is Liebigito Vas Shlomo Moshe. So this week's Torah portion, Parshas Vayera. Uh, full of amazing stories but we're not going to focus on the stories of the angels and the sto- we're going to focus on a very simple seemingly calm verse in the Torah portion and that is the verse that Abraham planted Vayita Eshel be Be'er and he planted an Eshel in Be'er Sheva. what is an Eshel? it's unprecedented in the Torah and we need to find out the interpretation of this word Eshel So there are three different opinions. Opinion number one is that Eshel is a tree. He planted a tree. Another opinion is, no, it's not a tree. It's actually an orchard of trees. Pardes, an orchard. A third opinion says that, and it's interesting, vayeta over here, would, I guess would mean because everything was pitched as a tent, but it's actually a pundak. A pundak is a sort of inn, a sort of inn which offered eating, drinking, and a place to sleep, shelter. Other opinions say it's not a place of shelter, but rather the third thing was leviyah, to escort your guest to a safe distance. Now, the last opinion which encompasses... Eating, drinking, and then it's shelter slash escorting. It's actually based upon the acronym of the word Eshel. In Hebrew letters, Eshel spells Aleph, Shin, Lamed. Aleph is Achila, eating. Shin is Shtia, drinking. And the Lamed, there's two opinions. One says Lina, a place where to sleep. And the other one says Livia, to be able to escort. Okay, you know the word Leviah without really realizing that you know it from the word Malava Malka. On Saturday night you eat a Malava Malka. What does Malava Malka mean? To escort the queen. Malka is a queen. Malava Malka escort the Shabbos queen out. So those are the three opinions. And again, there's a tree, there's an orchard, and then there's this pundak pitching this intent And uh, that served for eating, drinking, and then there's the two opinions, whether it's a place of shelter for sleeping or a place for escorting, he would escort his guest onto the road for a safe distance. Then comes Kabbalah. Kabbalah says a very interesting thing about this whole Vayita Eshel. And it says as follows. Vayita Eshel, there are ten plantings, that happened and the 10 plantings refer to the 10 sphirot. the 10 emanations and then where did he plant them? In Be'er Sheva. What does Be'er Sheva literally mean? The seventh well. What is the seventh? The seventh of the emotions which is the tenth of the emanations, the sfirot, the plantings as the Zohar calls them here refers to Malchut, kingship. What is the job of the last of all the Svirot? Its job is to transmit the lights, the Svirot, the emanations of the higher worlds of Atzilut into the lower worlds. And thus we now understand Vayita, Eshel, and Avraham planted the tree-slash-orchard-slash-pundak According to the Zohar, what it really means is that he brought down, he planted into this world the lights, the sefirot, the unity, the divinity of the spiritual world of Atzilut. Okay, so there you go. The Rebbe in 1986 delivers a mimer and the Rebbe focuses on the most important point of all Hasidus, which is How do these mystical teachings help us in teaching us how to live our life? Every story in the Torah, Torah comes from the word hora'ah, a guidance, a lesson, a teaching. And therefore, every story has to teach us today in 2014 how to live. So what does this story teach us? Simple. So the answer is, if you think about what Kabbalah is saying, it's a very simple lesson. We know that man was created in the image of God. What does that mean? That means that the man has ten faculties, the man and the woman. I mean mankind. Mankind, the soul of mankind, has the ten faculties which reflect the ten sphirot, the ten emanations. There are the three intellects of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And then there are the seven emotions the way we talk about in human language. You have love. You have fear. You have compassion. You have the... Nitzachon really means victory, but uh, we list it as... Hold on one second here. Fortitude. The strength to overcome. The strength to move on. Then you have... The next one is gratitude, Hod. And then you have commitment, Yesod. And then you have expression, malchut. So, the human being has the three intellects. Physically, we have three lobes to our brain, which Kabbalah tells us reflect the three intellects. And then we have the seven emotions. Now, why was man created in the image of God? So, one of the teachings we have is because through us doing our work down here, we cause reactions up there. To be more specific, when the human being... Goes ahead and brings a inner peace between the intellect which is the parent that gives birth and parents the emotions. And then he brings peace between the right-sided emotions because the ten sfirot are set up linear. There's a right, a left, and a center. So when he brings peace between the right, which is, let's look at which is the right-sided ones, love and fortitude and the left-sided ones, which is fear and gratitude. And how does he bring peace between them? By drawing them both into the healthy, balanced center line, which is compassion and commitment. And then he brings all of this into the last sepira, his last faculty, which is expression through thought, speech, and action. That's what our malchut is. Our malchut is thought, speech, and action. So when the human being brings all of this he brings an inner harmony, a healthy balance between his own intellect and his emotions, the right-handed emotions and the left-handed emotions through the center emotions. And most importantly, he brings it down into his practical day-to-day life of expression, thought, speech, and action. This causes a reaction above which draws the heavenly divinity, this spirit of unity into this world. And this is the completion of what Avramavinu Avinu was doing for us. He was building that bridge. He was already, there's a statement in the Talmud, in our sages, that says, avot Siman libanim. The actions of our forefathers are a sign. They already left footprints. They already made the path for us, the empowerment for the children to be able to do what they have to do. So by Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let's talk about specifically now Abraham and specifically his planting this Eshel. According to the Zohar, what did he do? He went and he opened up the gateway and empowered us on the journey of our life because according to this Zohar, the whole destiny of our job in life is to bring down the lights of unity, of divinity, of atzilot, into this physical world of complexity and multiplicity. And how do our us humans do that? It's because the entire reflection of the entire divinity system is in our soul. And when we work it out in our faculties, in our human faculties, we will then have the reflection of God being our shadow. We do this and that draws down the source of the ten emanations into this physical world. And by doing that, we obviously open up the door to the world to come. A world of healthy balance, a world of peace, a world of divinity, a world of unity. Okay. So far, so good? So, we have this Kabbalistic teaching, and all of a sudden, this one verse, which seems to just be a little comma in between stories of the Torah portion, actually tells us the entire secret of life. Our job is Vayita Eshel in Beersheva. Make it all work out, create inner harmony, intellect, emotions, right, left, down to the center, and most importantly, bring it into Be'er Sheva, bring it into Malchut, expression, live your life, your thoughts, your speech, your action in that harmony, and that will open up the gateway and draw down the divinity, the unity of the Ten sphere here into this world. Okay. Now the Rebbe takes a direct focus on the third opinion. Because the third opinion is problematic. How does it fit into our story? The first opinion it says he planted a tree. So the fact that it says a tree and the Zohar says it's 10 trees is problematic. Why is it singular if it's plural? So Hasidus explains not a problem. Why isn't it a problem? Because we're talking about the emanations of atzilut, the spiritual world of unity. By definition, unity means that the ten are united as one. So that opinion is okay. So we're still talking about planting the ten spherot. And we do that by working over our ten faculties. Then we have the next opinion which says, Pardis, it's an orchard. Okay, that's perfect. An orchard is ten trees. Perfect. But now let's talk about the third opinion. The third opinion, whether it be 3A or 3B, is both a problem. We need to understand it. Because all of a sudden over here, the Zohar is talking about planting trees. The ten plantings are the ten Sfirot. But the third opinion calls it a Pundak. The Pundak is about eating, drinking, and about either 3A would be sleeping, shelter, or 3B would be walking outside with him. How does that define itself in the service of mankind? And I'm not even concerned now about putting it into the words of the Zohar. Let's put that aside right now. Let's talk about what is the lesson to us. We spoke about the lesson of the planting of the trees, the ten emanations. But what is the pundak work? So to understand this, we need to understand that the human infrastructure, the human soul, has something beyond the ten faculties. Beyond the three intellects and the seven emotions. And what is that? That is the encompassing powers so we have the internalized internal powers the internal powers are starting from wisdom all the way down to kingdom kingship so everything we spoke about now the 10 faculties which come for the 10 spherot, those are all called the linear internal lights right that deals with your insights however beyond that beyond even the peak of that which is wisdom there is the encompassing faculties of the soul. When we talk about the encompassing faculties of the soul, generally speaking in Hasidus we talk about three levels. Number one, the power of will. Let's talk about the power of will. That famous saying, if there's a will, there's a way, has the deepest roots in Kabbalah and Hasidus. Why? Because in explaining the encompassing powers, we use the metaphor of the supernal crown, the circular, infinite in, uh, uh, infinite crown, supernal crown. So when we talk about the linear internal faculties, you should know that in Kabbalah, it's a line with a top and a bottom, and the line gets weaker and weaker as it comes down. Chachma, wisdom, is much stronger than Bina, understanding and it goes down and down and down. The power of creativity, the power of divinity, keeps on being diminished as you go down the system of the 10 dots within the line. However, the circular has no beginning, no end. It's infinite. So when we talk about the power of will, the power of will is very different than any of the internal faculties. The internal faculties only manifest one organ, one limb of your body and so too with the soul. You have wisdom, intellect is in your brain and so forth and so out. The body is mapped out according to the ten faculties and each one of them dominates only one part of the soul. The soul, so to speak, has an image Like we have the body with a top and a bottom, a head and the heart and the torso and the legs. The soul has that same spiritual image. And each one of the faculties only grabs and manifests one part of the soul. So when you're really pursuing an intellectual pursuit, when you're studying Torah, it's not time for emotions. Quite the contrary. If you get emotional about what you're studying, it's going to interfere with your intellectual powers to understand. You know that by yourself. You're studying something. You start getting excited that you're getting it. And the minute you get excited, you can't continue in your intellectual pursuit because there are different parts of the soul and they actually are separated. When it comes to the power of will, the I want, even in the physical body, where is the power of will? Where does it manifest itself? Well, that depends who you're talking to. If you're talking to someone that wants to run the marathon, guess where his will is empowering itself? In his feet. If you're talking about the will to draw, if you're talking about the will to understand, the will doesn't have any specific part of the body that this is the only piece of the body that it grabs. The power of will can be from wanting the most spiritual thing to wanting the most physical thing. Wanting the most intellectual thing to wanting the most physical thing. So the power of will encompasses the entire essence of the person. And so too spiritually. Spiritually, we say we say about will, Ratson is nitiyat hanefesh. What does nitiat hanefesh mean? It's the inclining of the entire soul. When you want something, you want something not just intellectually, not just emotionally. You want it with your entire soul. And the best way to see that is with children. Because they're very pure in their want. Their entire being wants this right now. And if you give it to a child, his entire being is smiling. Not just his mouth, not just his face. And try not giving it to him. (laughs) You'll see what it means the entire being is involved. So what we're talking about is that the power of will is an encompassing power. It doesn't deal with a finite piece of who you are. And I mean also spiritually who you are, who your soul is. The power of the soul, the power of will is that it encompasses the entire soul. It's a revelation of the infinite faculties of your soul. I mentioned to you before that there are three layers. In the supernal Crown we talk about three layers. We talk about the power of will within reason. We talk about the power of will that's beyond reason. And then the third thing, which we're going to translate it today, built on a specific teaching, it's called emuna, faith. These three layers, one higher than the other, are all infinite, encompassing powers. Now let's go back to the teaching. Vayita eshel bebersheva. According to the opinions that says it's a tree or an orchard, The only thing that we're asking of ourselves in this verse was the Torah's guidance to us, the Torah's empowerment to us, only to go ahead and plant the ten linear svirot. Doing that through our dedication of our ten linear faculties. But according to opinion number three, we're talking about here two levels. Eating, drinking, is Torah and mitzvot. We talk about Torah as lechem, bread. You digest it. We talk about mitzvot as the liquid which brings the sustenance of that food, that bread, to all the parts of your body. So the, fo- the focus of the service of achilat ushtiyah, the eating and the drinking, is the internal faculties. But here we have a greater demand. We're telling you now, you should know that Vayita Eshel doesn't only ask that you get a healthy balance of your internal faculties and serve God with your eternal faculties, your intellect, your emotion, you're studying Torah, you're doing mitzvot and the malchut of thought, speech, and action. We're asking you to take it a step further take it out into the encompassing faculties and we want you to bring that into Be'er Shevatu. Your expressions should not just reflect that you're serving God with your internal faculties of intellect and emotion but we're asking you also to bring into your thought, speech and action also your encompassing infinite faculties. And now you understand the two opinions because house is one encompassing and outside escorting outside in the public is an even greater escorting even a greater encompassing faculty so let's just line it up in the world of Hasidus and Kabbalah you have three encompassing powers you have clothing which is the will within reason because your clothing needs to be made to size you have your house your house is not made to size you can have a small person physically small with very few children living in a mansion so that's the will which is not within reason it's totally disconnected far greater and then you have the stepping outside the ultimate encompassing that's the emuna. so now we understand The Vayita Eshel, planting this Eshel, according to this opinion on both layers, whether we call it shelter sleeping or whether we call it the escorting outside, we're talking about the mandate that we should take our infinite encompassing power of will, the the infinite power of faith, drive it into our intellect, into our emotions, and most importantly, into the way we live day to day, our thoughts, speech and actions. Now understand that this in itself is a very practical guidance and directive and teaching for us. Because we all know that on a day to day basis, our brain, our Kepler, always gets in the way of our will, and how much more so in the way of our faith. So we have faith in God, it's all going to be good. But then when we start intellectually looking at the situation that we're facing, and we we see that the situation is far from sweet, and we don't know how we're going to get out of this, all of a sudden our windshield between faith and me, the encompassing crown, and the inside brain has some fog. I all of a sudden find it very difficult to remain in the calmness of the faith which comes from the calmness of my inner essence. Understand the Vayita Eshel is very practical. Avraham Avinu is saying you need to know that we need to take our encompassing power of faith and the will of every person to do good and remain honest. And we need to go ahead and bring that into our intellect and our emotions, even when our intellect and emotions are denying us the calmness. How could you have faith? Look at the writing of the wall. Forget your will. Be practical. Can you really do that? And then we have to bring that into Be'er Sheva, into our expressive powers of our day-to-day thought, speech, and action. Were I to stop right now talking about the encompassing McKeefim, and then the linear faculties talking about the practicality of having our insides match our in infinite circular powers to be able to have our mind and our hearts guided within the amazing yellow brick, brick road of the will of the soul and the faith of our essence that would be Diano. Were I to tell you that Avram planted for us that we should be able to practically live in our thought process, in our speech process, in our action process in accordance with emotions and intellect that are driven and permeated by the infinite power of the faith of the soul, Dayenu for tonight's class. However, were I to stop here, I would be defeating the purpose because we need to really, really get practical. How do we take this really practical? Yeah, we talk about the faith, every Jew has faith, every Jew is a believer, the son of a believer, yada, 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 and it's all true. But how do we get this practical? So I'm going to share with you something. I myself was looking for what is, what is the internal faculties the encompassing faculties, and what kind of total new experience would the external, the encompassing faculties bring into the internal faculties, if you could connect it, if you could do the Vayita Eshel. I want you to know practically how it feels. It's all beautiful, but down to earth, practically speaking. Let's get beyond just talking about to live with our faith and even we shouldn't worry, even when our mind is screeching, we should have the calmness of our faith permeate, permeate our mind. Let's take it down a notch. Let's bring it down here. So I was sitting and looking and looking. I looked up different teachings. So I'm going to share with you something. My children keep me abreast of the latest literature stories because as a rule, I read with them. I'd like to know what they're absorbing. So one of my children brings to my radar screen a book called The Giver. It's a book written in 1993 by Lewis, I'm going to say his name wrong, Lewis Laurie. It recently became adopted in a film directed by Philip Noyce. The Giver. It's actually very recently was turned into a film. So, my daughter tells me, she thinks I'm even reading it in school, so I go ahead and I dip into this book called The Giver. You read The Giver? You have it. it. (laughs) So, I'm going to tell you the storyline without ruining it for you, okay? And the storyline I bring you from our dear friend Wikipedia. In the year 2048, after a war, the community has decided to get rid of different races and feelings. All the citizens have had their memories erased except for the receiver of memory. Since the receiver of memory is the only individual in the community who has the memories from before, he must advise the chief elder and the other elders on the decisions for the community. Okay? That's the storyline. Now what happens? The memory shield is what keeps the inside community from being able to have the memories of the human race it protects them from it and because it's all about not having no more war no more suffering no more pain so what they do is they have everyone exactly equal so there's no such thing as a brunette or a blonde hair or anything because the entire community lives only in black and white The shield denies us to be able to see the red color of an apple. And what happens is that in order to keep everything mono, so there is no issues of jealousy, which would lead to human faults and human fault behaviors. So they've eliminated music. There's no music in this community. Nothing that gives feelings. It's all very... Literally, physically it's black and white, emotionally it's black and white, intellectually it's black and white, and everything is Shalom al Yisrael. Peaceful. We're all equal. And then the receiver, the receiver of memory, he has to pass it on. Now what is this receiver of memory? He's the one that knows all the differences, all the feelings and everything. And when he is prepped by the receiver of memory before him, he goes through eternal chaos because everything was so peaceful and so beautiful. Okay? So we have the memory shield, protects the inside community from any outside memories and it keeps everything bland, keeps everything mono, and therefore there's no issues. Breaking through the memory shield would break away this protection and all the memories of colors musics love all those things will come right back into the community and therefore they're protecting this memory shield okay i'm just giving you the basic storyline and then i'm sitting i'm reading this and i'm thinking to myself everyone for a moment touch right under your nose you know that little knip by the lip right and i started realizing whoa From the moment that the angel knipped our lip, according to tradition, we had a memory erase. We had a total memory erase of anything outside of our physical community. And then there's a memory shield. What is the memory shield of each and every one of us? It is actually our own mind. Our mind wants to protect us from having anything out of our comfort zone so our mind is comfortable with the inner faculties our mind is even comfortable with the struggle of two sets of inner faculties because the godly soul has its selfless divine driven inner faculties its intellect and its emotions and its power of expression And the animalistic soul has its egocentric driven set of inner faculties. Now, if you think about it, we feel very comfortable living within either one of those. We can be comfortable living, feeling secure within our divine selfless driven set of inner faculties and we also feel very comfortable, let's say it the way it is, we also feel okay with our egocentric driven intellect and faculties. We're even okay with any form of ratio of balance between the two. Oh yeah, we'll call someone, oh that guy is so egocentric, he only thinks about himself. But we're not uncomfortable with that. Society is full of it. Each and every one of us, when we look in the mirror, we have some part of that. We're okay when we see someone who's very selfless because once again, we look in the mirror and a part of us is that. So when we talk about the inner faculties, we are very comfortable living in that memory shield that protects us from outside It protects us from those infinite circular faculties that were we to allow them into our life as finite beings, we may not feel that comfortable with infinite powers within us. We won't feel that comfortable in seeing the world on those terms. So actually, you suddenly realize that when the malach nipped our lip, He actually created for us this same situation. The child is born and we grow up and we live in a very monotone world. We live in a world which is very finite. We feel that it's full of colors. We feel that we have individualism. But if you think about it, every drop of individualism that we have is all within the spectrum of the comfort zone of our community's acceptance. So even the eccentric person, he really lives within the comfort zone of the acceptable black and white. And we really are afraid to go beyond the edge. We're afraid to go to beyond the edge of our own mind. And even when we take a leap, and even when we watch movies, it's really all within the reach of our mind. And then I realized... That God gave every single generation the receiver. So Avramavinu is the first receiver. He's talking to a, a generation of human predators. It's a fight. Me, you, I have, you have. I need to conquer you. And all of a sudden, Avramavinu introduces a whole new, infinite way of living. It's not the red ocean, it's the blue ocean stop worrying about what you have I don't have so I need to take it from you because look at the world from the point of view from its infinite creator the blue ocean perspective and Avraham Avinu opens up a pundak. not only is he not trying to beat you down he's actually here to help you because when you look from the infinite perspective helping you ultimately will help me so Avraham Avinu is the first receiver who's talking to a generation that lives within the memory shield and doesn't remember the infinite peace and beauty, the divinity that exists if we can only open our memory up to it. Then we have Moses, who does the same thing. Then we have the prophets, then we have the sages. And through Torah, they keep on telling us, do not submit yourself to this community of elders which have a memory shield. They're telling you that, no, you can't do it. We all have to fit within a community with which we feel safe. And when someone steps out of what we call safe, he or she needs to be eliminated because they're endangering the entire piece of this mono community. We have the receiver of our generation. The Rebbe, after the Holocaust, actually kept on telling us stop living as finite, scared Jews. The Rebbe keeps on pushing not only us as Jewish people. You'll see the Rebbe pushing everyone in their field Go further, go beyond the horizon. It's not finite, it's infinite. Break through your memory shield. Open yourself up to your encompassing powers. Allow the colors in, allow the music in, allow the feelings that you're so scared of to come into you. The finite being really believes that we will cease to exist if we allow into us infinite reality and if you think about what happens with creation and this everything is finite then there's the infinite torah and what Hashem is telling us and every single person who had a one-on-one relationship with the Rebbe a blessed memory or if you read the Rebbe's teachings it's again over and over and over the same thing Jonathan Sachs said before I came to the Rebbe I realized he was a great leader and a leader creates followers. And then when I met the Rebbe, I realized it was the furthest thing from the truth. The Rebbe spent his entire time with me demanding of me to be a greater leader and take on new horizons which he was so frightened of. That's the receiver. The receiver is to remind you what life was before the malach nipped you on your lip. Before you started seeing everything of divinity as black and white as monotone as finite and now let's go back to that verse what does Avram Avinu tell us Vayita Eshel uh, the job of Avram that he broke through for us is to be able to bring the beyond memory shield into the community into your faculties and be able to express it in your daily thought speech and action so, practically speaking, let's be practical, practical, practical. There is something that you once wanted to do. There was something that you once believed you absolutely could do, and you maybe even dared to believe that that is your destiny. And then someone came and put the memory shield around you. And someone told you, no, you can't do it. That's dangerous. Don't you understand? Be precise. Precision of words is what they speak about in the book. You, gotta, you can't talk about these things. It's not safe. Just be you. Just be another person, part of the community. Now the question is whether you can, on the power of what Abraham did over 3,000 years ago, the question is can you take that and use it to push you to the edge, right next to your memory shield. Now here, we're talking practical, right? We're not talking Kabbalistic. I will tell you from personal experience, and you can all try it, you bring back that daring memory, the memory which demands of you to be infinite, to do something really daring that you believe that you were sent down here to do. And the first thing that's going to come to you because we're all not minors here. So from years of being conditioned, the first thing that comes to you is fear. And you actually feel the fear in your physical body. You feel your legs go weak. You feel your hands go weak. It's real fear because you're talking about going outside, completely outside of the comfort zone and the security zone of what you've been conditioned to believe. So I ask you to remember one thing. Brave people are not people who have no fear. They're people who have fear and proceed forward anyway. So if you look at the deeper dimension of this teaching, Vayita Eshel, we're asking practically, let us bring back that dream of our youth. And it encompasses a Jewish dream and allow it to push you to the edge of the memory shield. Just step by step, you feel the fear, don't fight it, let it be, and then take one baby step forward. And eventually remember that Avraham Avinu has empowered us to break through that memory shield, to break through that shield that separates exile from redemption. The finite from the infinite, the black and white from the color, the mano heart from the heart full of infinite feelings. What a beautiful insight to just a simple, quiet verse. Vayita Eshel. Now, it's just a question whether we can be daring enough to do it. Thank you.